0: Your Benjirovsky show for Thursday, March twenty sixth. Oh, there's the
1: there's there. The line line. Right in the tree,
0: howling. Your Benjirovsky show for Thursday, March twenty sixth just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 and District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Hey, thanks unions for sponsoring this show. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show for Thursday, March 26th. And every day is brought to you by our good friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor.
1: Benny J, give us a song of the day, please. And I uh listen, I heard this song last night, uh, and I've been singing it ever since. One, two. Oh, giving himself a count. <laughs> nice. It's like when Mick Fansers on. Remember he did the little he had the guitar, and he goes, one, two. So I'm doing my inner Mick Fancer. One, two. There's a place. In the sun. Come on, D. Where there's room for everyone. Yeah, okay. That's Stevie Wonder, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, okay, cool. 1970 was the year, okay? Oh, who's surprised? <laughs>
0: if you're listening right now, who's surprised that the song Ben Sang came from the 70s? Oh, I
1: love Stevie Wonder. Show my favorite. Hands. My favorite, number one. Number one. <laughs> number one, Stevie Wonder. All right. That's my Obama imitation, by the way, you oh. notice. Oh. Uh, Stevie Wonder. Uh, love Stevie Wonder. Uh, he's number one. And yeah, your Bill Clinton's better. <laughs> the Ben Jarofsky Show starts now.
0: <laughs> it is Thursday, March 26th, and live from Ben's house, this is The Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, in these times, writer Miles Camflassen will join us. And our cannabis conversations continue. Yes, even in Ben's attic. (laughs) Our cannabis conversation continues with Lisa Solomon and Kirsten Valesco.
1: And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist, Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this No Mas Thursday. And here's why. Well, D, I'm under a withering counterattack these days from Joe Biden defenders. And in the face of that attack, D, I have retreated. I surrender, you (laughs) and Joe Biden people. No mas, to quote Roberto Duran in the fight against Sugar Ray Leonard, speaking about things that happened, well, actually in the 80s, not the 70s. Anyway, here's the setup. Several days ago, I wrote a column from the reader. Uh, Well, let's go back before that. Uh, uh, Let's see. Here's the, yes, here is the actual setup. On March 17th, as you recall, there was an election. Joe Biden was victorious in three states, Illinois, Florida, and Arizona. I can't believe I still remember that, D. Uh, and everyone proclaimed him as the uh, apparent winner of the do- nomination. It was clear that he had the clear path, straight path, to being the Democrats' nominee to run against Donald John Trump and that Bernie Sanders could not defeat him. Uh, So what did Joe Biden do with that position of prominence that the voters, the Democratic voters had given him? He disappeared. He vanished. He went into hiding. Witness protection program. He wasn't heard of, seen of for seven or eight days. This is a moment of huge crisis in our country. Coronavirus spreading everywhere. People panicking, freaking out. The leader of the country is a lunatic named Donald John Trump, who in the face of all the warnings from the scientists and doctors Of the country has said we are going to open for business by Easter. A total lunatic in charge. So what does the country need? It needs another voice. Calm, reassuring, smart, based in science. That would be the person who's going to head the ticket, right? Nope. Joe Biden went into hiding. Didn't hear a word from him. So I wrote a column for the reader suggesting that, look, Joe, I thought it was a reasonable column. Okay, maybe I was a little, you know, upset with him. Joe, if you don't want to be the nominee, if you don't want to handle the pressure of being the alternative to Donald John Trump, the lunatic, okay, if you don't want that responsibility, get out of the race. Let somebody else take over. And now everybody knows I love Bernie. I voted for Bernie two times in a row. I voted for Bernie, but it doesn't even have to be Bernie. At this stage, it's a catastrophe, it's an emergency. I would say J.B. Pritzker. Governor of Illinois would do a better job as a Democratic nominee than Joey Biden. I think that Andrew Cuomo of New York, Andrew Cuomo and I don't see eye to eye on almost anything. He's like classic centrist, but he's doing a great job as being a leader at a time of crisis. So I would much rather have him, Andrew Cuomo, uh as the head of the Democratic Party at this moment. Plus, it would enable me d to uh, dust off my Mario Cuomo imitation. Yeah, you know I had a Mario. Oh, wow, <laughs> it's-a me, Mario. <laughs> okay, that's not the Mario Cuomo <laughs> imitation. Mario Cuomo, for my younger listeners, he was, uh, he's Andrew Cuomo's father, and he was the governor of New York in the 80s, and I was obsessed with Mario Cuomo in the 80s. We'll put that as- obsession aside for the moment. Anyway, so uh, that was my point. My point is, if you don't want Joe Biden, the responsibility of being the Democratic spokesperson at this critical moment, then step aside and let somebody else take the job, somebody who wants the job. And even if the Democrats lose to Trump, at least we know we've, like, went down fighting as opposed to just disappearing and vanishing. Well, I figured, you know, people would go, "Yeah, Yo, you're absolutely correct. I think people would say, you how could you argue at this point? You know, how would you, why would you want to nominate somebody who's scared? In fact, at this point, Dave, I'd like to quote somebody that, you know, I'd like to quote a certain gentleman that, you know, your father. Oh, I'm not going to quote <laughs> the man widely known, uh, as, uh, in Alton as daddy, Dr. D or as people- producer <laughs> Dennis senior, <laughs> or sometimes people call him daddy, not a doctor, Dr. D. He always likes to say, well, how does he put a D? If you're scared, go to church. Oh, well, hell, bud. If you're scared, go to church. <laughs> yeah, that's... I say hell, but the F word is really easy. <laughs> Beep, go to church. <laughs> oh, hell, bud. So that's my advice, Joe Biden, from Daddy Dr. D. If you're scared, go to church. <laughs> and let somebody who's not scared be the nominee. Makes total sense. People in the Alton are like nodding their heads right now. Of course, Right. Well, guess what, D? Instead of getting approval from our, my readers, I got smacked in the head. It, was back, it reminded me back in the na- days in the 90s when I would write columns, critici- daring to criticize, daring to criticize the most popular mayor the city had, Mayor Richard M. Daley. People loved Mayor Richard M. Daley. I was, I was at meetings once where a woman told Richard M. Daley that in her opinion, I'm not making it up, she said, the sunrises are more beautiful since he was the mayor. That's how much people in Chicago love this guy. You know, I I didn't share their love for him, so I'd write columns criticizing certain aspects of his governance. And I would get these responses from angry daily lovers saying things like, if you don't like it here, go back to Detroit. (laughs) I'm like... What
0: else would they say?
1: Go, leave right now. (laughs) We love the mayor. You You ungrateful mother. Beep. Do that little beeping thing. I love the beeping thing. <laughs> I'd be like, "How can I go back to Detroit? I'm not even I'm... from Detroit in the first place. I've never even been to Detroit." It was like, "Chicago's great. The only reason Chicago's not Detroit is because Mayor Richard M. Daley. So show some respect."
0: Shout out to Kyle on the live stream. He says, "Dennis's dad, uh, also known as Elder Lightning. It's Gray Lightning, actually."
1: <laughs> That's hilarious. Uh and as you all know, back home in Alton, they call him Elder Lightning. His name is Dennis, his name is Dennis. He's doctor, not a doctor, daddy D. Anyway, hell, bud. If you're scared,
0: go to church. I love that line. Man, looks like we got a county county mounty coming up here. Uh,
1: I'm I'm not not scared. If you're scared, go to church. Dennis and I share that line. Conservative estimate 20 times a day. Hey, (laughs) if you're scared, go to church, D, huh? Cheat him in hell. That's another one from my dad. <laughs> anyway, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, Biden, they, yeah, all, they come in. Ben, you don't understand. You don't understand politics. He's just a citizen. He doesn't have a responsibility to weigh in. Oh, there you go. Great advice from our listeners. Yeah, Ben, you know, he'll be talking in August. Just wait till August. You can't wait. Can't wait to hear what he has to say in August when he's officially the nominee. <laughs> you know, like, that's oh, that's great. You know, what? what so, we're just going to. Ignore the crisis right now. Uh, wait, yeah, for wait till months? August. Oh, whoa! Wait till you see what he has to say in August. Man. August, what? Centrist Democrats, you when you fall in love, you fall so deeply in love. You love Richard M. Daley. You love Rahm Emanuel. You just love Joe Biden. And my God, the love for Barack Obama is just undying. Centrist Democrats, man, when you fall, you fall hard. And then I got this one guy, D. I can't even say what he said cuz you won't let me swear in the podcast, but it was more like beep you you mother beep and piece of beep. Whoa. <laughs> anyway, he loves his Joe Biden. So I'm yeah, really getting hammered from the um from a Joe Biden crowd, so I I guess I I've, I've made a decision, D. I'm not going to criticize joe biden at all okay i'm gonna fall in line all right d i'm just gonna fall in line and be a joe biden fan from here on out wait till august i can't wait oh you wait to see what he has to say in august ladies and gentlemen (laughs) anyway you know uh, guess who took my advice joey b himself uncle joe daddy joe whatever you want to call him can you imagine
0: if we did that on the show by the way like hey we got some good news coming up in august <laughs> just
1: wait for that huh wait for that what is it march oh, august ben wait till you hear what he says in august okay okay well let's see it's march uh i've got nothing else to do there's no baseball season and the nba's cancel i'll just you know watch old movies on netflix and then in august next you know it'll be august and i can hear what joe has to say regarding the you know the coronavirus scare okay yeah just take your time anyway Apparently Joe Biden's a little more reasonable than his fans, his ardent lovers of Joe Biden. Uh, he has started making comments. D. All right. It's what is that?
0: That's the metro. So Ben lives by the Brown Line and the Metro. So every now and again, we'll have a fourth reoccurring character, the Metro.
1: Oh my God! That's the tra- oh my oh God, Jesus so warm. Christ! The train horn. Ooh, riding that train to freedom. Hold on a second. Hmm. God, the water's good in this city. Anyway, so uh, Joe Biden's been making some appearances lately. I'm really happy that that's the case. You know, he's sort of warming himself oh, up. Oh, that.
0: But, well, I'm sorry. That's what it is. By the way, when people hear the train, they uh, we used to say "take a shot." Now we
1: say, uh, "When you hear the train, toke hit a weed." Take a toke. a toke. Since I don't have, since I don't have any toke, I'll just have a hit a water. Have some water instead of that weed. Yeah, sure. It's weed and no, it's not infused water. He doesn't. He's tweets. It's like the 70s. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Joe Biden has been making uh, public comments. I'm happy to say he took my advice and not his ardent listener's advice. Who apparently think it's a good strategy to remain quiet until August uh, in the middle of a... Pre- Excuse me. <clears throat> it's not coronavirus. The water just went down the wrong way. Uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, so he's been making some appearances. And um, unfortunately, well, you know, this being Joe Biden... I'm not sure it's helping him uh, anyway. D, uh, do you got that one bit? We played it yesterday. I'd just like to hear it again. This is Joe Biden on the coronavirus uh, scare.
2: would reassess
0: the recommended period for keeping businesses shut and people at home. Are you at all concerned, as Trump said, that we cannot let the cure be worse than the problem itself?
1: We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. No matter what. <laughs> We know what has to be done. We
2: know you have to
1: reassess. (laughs) Uh, We have to take care of the cure. That will make the problem worse no matter what. Now, folks, like I said, I'm bowing to the wishes and the demands of the Biden lovers out there to be nothing but nice and respectful of Joe Biden. And so I want to say, you know, with great confidence, our leader, the Democratic Party, really understands the problems we're facing as a country and is ready to lead us okay into political battle against Donald John Trump but I don't understand what he's saying and it's it's not that I don't understand the words the words i understand every single word that he uttered but when he puts them together the way he does i i don't understand the overall meaning play the radio make sure the television excuse me make sure you have the record player on at night the 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 phone make Make sure sure the the kids kids hear words. (laughs) actually that one makes more sense really than the new one of course now i've had more time to reflect on the old one make sure that the kids hear words Uh, you know, we have, we, we, we have to take the cure. The cure will be worse. Like, okay. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, in the old days, D when I was young, really young, I would listen to the Beatles songs and I'd sit there and go, wow, what does this mean? Like sitting on a cornflake waiting for the van to come. Whoa. What does that mean, man? You know? (laughs) And Joe Biden is kind of like the Beatles back in the day. You know, it's like the meaning is there, but you got to like really take the deep dive to find it. We got a great show today, everybody. Miles Complassen will be uh, here from In These Times. Maybe Miles can help us understand. Well, we say he's going to be here, but he'll be on the phone. That, that is correct. Uh, yes, uh, virtually he will be here in yeah. virtual reality. Oh man, Ooh. I, I, I talked to Miles. He is fired up, folks. He's been studying the bill that the Senate passed. Uh, the uh, he can't even call it a stimulus bill. It's more like a relief bill. Two trillion dollars. The Republicans and the centrist Democrats have found their inner Bernie. They're all socialists now. How about that, huh, D? Remember Remember uh, all our uh, nervous Nellies in the Democratic Party couldn't vote for Bernie because then the swing voters in Wisconsin will never vote for a Democratic socialist. Oh, now, now we're in trouble. Everyone's a socialist. <laughs> now, if you use your brain, uh, <laughs> you'll see that uh, voting for Bernie is... Inc- yeah, yeah. Times Nerv- have changed. Yeah, times have changed. Everybody's a socialist now. Smart guy. Now everyone's a socialist now so miles will be breaking that about get maybe miles can help me understand uh the the, the wit and wisdom of joe biden as well miles as everybody knows is a huge bernie sanders supporter so <clears throat> i'm sure he'll be pressing the case for, for bernie and then some more cannabis conversations and to help us get through uh, this traumatic time Smoke a little reefer, huh, D? Okay,
0: we're not smoking pot oh. live on the show.
1: All right, well. <laughs> I do that when I get home. Okay. Uh, uh, Kirsten Velasco will be here from the Illinois Women in Cannabis, and uh, our own Lisa Solomon, who knows more about cannabis than anyone, uh, <laughs> will be here. Another Cannabis Conversation. Really looking forward to that. But before we talk politics, before we talk cannabis, before we talk Bernie and Biden, the man from Alton that they call the doctor with the news.
0: Everybody, how's it going? Hope you're all hanging in there. Shout out to the live stream chat. Uh, Pat Rod, we were talking about the Beatles earlier, the Beatles and Joe Biden. Pat Rod says, Biden is the walrus. <laughs> and then. <laughs> I love our live stream chat. Uh, and then uh, followed by Kyle, who weighed in after Pat Rod and said, Cuckoo Kachoo. Yeah, Cuckoo
1: Kachoo. <laughs> Is there one
0: song that you can sing well? Sitting
1: on a cornflake, waiting for the van to come. All right, let's talk about the
0: local news happening today. I
1: love John Lennon. Can I just say that? I just want to get that out there. I love John Lennon. He loves Go John Lennon, guys. Maybe my favorite rocker of all time. Really? Oh, love John Lennon. It was so sad when he died. But Wow. Or was killed, I should say. Yeah, love John Lennon. Sitting on a cornflake, waiting for the van to come. Go ahead. Hey, guys, if you heard the news, the
0: Lakefront Riverwalk 606 are officially closed to the public. That's correct. Man, now who saw this coming? Answer, anyone who uses their brain. <laughs> Millions of stir-crazy citizens cooped up in the house all had the same idea. Go outside for a walk or a jog or a bike ride, leaving tons of people in the parks and trails. Why were we surprised by this again, Ben?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, my illustrious fellow citizens of the city of Chicago, you know I love you. You know I absolutely love you, every single one of you, uh, but you don't make any sense. We talked about this yesterday briefly, D., uh Lori lightfoot ch- uh, chided the good citizens of chicago for flocking to the lakefront yesterday and then today was today was officially announced that the lakefront is closed is that correct D? Yep. uh yeah i got a uh a email uh and from i think some older james kappelman and i was i'm on his mail email list anyway um very bizarre look we're in the middle of this uh coronavirus uh pandemic uh, and we're on lockdown. Dennis and I are doing our show from the house. Uh, the Sun Times reporters are doing, right, putting out the newspaper from their house. Uh, bars are closed. Restaurants are closed. We all know the score here. You know, uh, it's, it's there's daily updates from our president, from uh, Governor Pritzker in New York, from Governor Cuomo. Uh, it's it's an international catastrophe. But apparently, uh, some Chicagoans <laughs> think it's just a day off. So yesterday we had an absolutely gorgeous day and people flocked to the lakefront. Now it's one thing to go to the lakefront. You, you wanna get out of the house, you're cooped up, you feel stir crazy. I understand the impulse. I go for walks every single day and I've been known to go to the lakefront. Uh, but some people are going to the lakefront and playing soccer. And just think about that for a moment, D. Like the mindset of somebody It's like, hey, calling up the friends. I'm not doing anything today. You doing something today? No. Let's go play some soccer. Okay. <laughs> park and play You use soccer. your feet. We won't touch each other at yeah. all. You guys ever watch a soccer game? Like people are battling over the ball or sweats flying, you yeah. know, spits flying. And I'm like, guys, don't you understand the reason you don't have to work today? That you're not working? It's because we're in a lockdown. Okay. What part of that do you not understand? Anyway, they're they're like the people, like, you know, remember back in, in grammar school, kids would act up, you're supposed to go on a field trip, and then the teacher would say, all right, that's it, because of little Dennis and little Benny, the whole class is not going to get to go to the zoo. Oh, man, damn, man, you screwed it up for us. Well, okay, thanks a lot, guys. You're like the, that kid, what was his name, Brady? That was his name, Brady, the... Uh, the millennial down in, in in Florida. Oh, the
0: guy who was flexing on Corona.
1: Yeah, yeah, man. Come uh, at me, bro. <laughs> I'm Brady. <laughs> There's another guy, came Over Brady is a basketball player. Brady, do you ever wonder why the NBA is closed right now? <laughs> anyway, Brady's since apologizing. one of the soccer players at the Lake of Pulcher. By the way, D, what? I have to say. Say it. Mark Brown wrote an excellent column today Mark Brown, Chicago Sun-Times Oh yeah, I've uh,
0: ran into him in the uh, Sun-Times bathroom a few yeah, okay, times okay,
1: all right, made... In the
0: stall, how's huh? it going Mark?
1: More information than anybody <laughs> wanted or asked for Anyway, Mark Brown's a great columnist for the Chicago Sun-Times And yes, we used to see him in the hallways from time to time When we were uh, broadcasting from our beloved Bright One so I hope soon this coronavirus scare will pass D, And we'll go back to the Bright One uh, but uh, Mark I don't brown, know
0: I'm getting kind of comfy up here in the attic <laughs> the brown line I'm getting used to it <laughs> and plus you
1: love it's a lot closer to your home it's a lot closer to my place I can ride my bike yeah I think Dr. D actually likes the new arrangements uh it's correct He it gets to use the bong all the time no one gives him a hard time um so anyway uh, Mark Brown wrote an thinking about bringing the newsroom back go ahead I would could you, you want me to call him Yes. All right. Call the news. Oh, my God. The (laughs) The newsroom. I missed the newsroom. Okay. Let me give
0: you a little uh, context here for those who uh, have joined us new on the podcast. Uh, Back in the old days, before Ben was fired... We had the newsroom. We hired a group of people to give us the news. Bam, bam, give me the news. But then uh, now, well, now we went to the Sun-Times. Turns out a lot of people write the news there, so we didn't need the newsroom. Now we're in the attic. I don't know. I think we may need to get the newsroom.
1: Yeah, no, I like the newsroom. I, I, I thought we could have used the newsroom when we were at the Sun-Times. I mean, it's not like we're going to go to the Sun-Times go, hey, Ramana, what's the latest news?
0: I, I didn't want to you know, yeah, get I, in their territory, you know? Spondellas would be r- uh,
1: raging. <laughs> uh, anyway, so back... Oh, I can't wait to bring the newsroom back. Folks, you're going <laughs> to love the newsroom. Does this is me. We're going to bring back Ben Jarofsky Theater as well. Something else that we used to do. Uh, what's the name uh, of the show? Uh, the Ben Jarofsky Show. All right, just remember uh, that. Oh, I guess. Oh, he pretends like I, he doesn't make all the decisions in the show. Anyway, so uh, Mark Brown wrote this great column. It was about the uh, lakefront lockdown. And it turns out, he I'm setting up the column, but Mark doesn't live far from the lake uh and so what he has this uh habit of wandering over to the lake uh for his exercise and there's a little hill d have you ever been to hill they call it cricket hill cricket Uh, hill it's called cricket hill i call it hamburger hill because (laughs) both names stupid (laughs) well okay time out the real name is cricket hill in fact if i could i just mentioned john lennon when john lennon was shot back in 1980 this is how old i am i went to cricket hill Oh yeah uh and back then uh, yoko ono john lennon's wife for our younger uh, listeners uh urged everybody to go to some place in the park to gather for a moment of silence and meditation and prayer to honor john lennon i'm not making any of this up folks and so i went to cricket hill and there was a whole there were a whole bunch of Beatles fans there and we uh, oh, sitting that, on a cornflake sitting on Oh, <laughs> sitting on the cornflake waiting for the band to come. I am the walrus, cuckoo could doo Cuckoo-ca-doo, cuckoo doo And so, yeah, we had that moment of silence. It was, um, I believe people held hands. Don't quote me on that. Oh, wow, it was a great moment, man. 2020, March 20, holding hands. Yeah, I yeah, know, lie. I know, it's so radical. That, of course, it was 1980. Good God, it was a long time ago. Uh, anyway, so that's Cricket Hill. That's what it's called. I call Hamburger Hill. Well, Bruce Bruce on the live stream chat called it Hillbilly yeah. Hill. <laughs> Not quite. Is he an old-time resident of uh, Uptown? Bruce Bruce, are you an old-time resident of Uptown? Because if he is, there's historical context for. It. Anyway, so um it turns out that uh, so I've been known, I call Hamburger Hill because I've been known to jog up the hill. And when I'm jogging up that hill trying to stay in shape, fighting age, fighting laziness, fighting inertia, getting up and down that hill is good exercise for me. Dee. Uh and, you know, on a good day, I could do maybe four hills. I don't know, a really good day, six hills. Whoa. And I Jog along the lakefront, and I feel all like, da-da-da, rocky. Da-da-da. Ooh, feeling good. Well, <laughs> turns out, Mark Brown. Has Marky this, B. Mark Brown, he, he makes a confession. He doesn't live far from there. He also goes to Cricket Hill and uh, runs up and down Cricket Hill. I did not know that. All the time I'm bu- bumping him in the hallway. I never knew that. Uh, and But this is the part that's interesting that he says. I found it interesting. <clears throat> Quote, I'm reading Mark Brown. I jog up the hill as many times as I can. Made it to 15 the other night. Then I take a solitary stroll along the beach and through the dunes before returning home. By the time I get back, I'm very mellow, especially in nights when the cold wind is whipping off the lake. Mark, I'm with you 100%. I've done the same exact thing many, many times, countless times, but I have this one thought. 15? You're telling me you went up and down that hill 15 times? Gee, I don't know, man. He's a brute. <laughs> what a brute. I'm not saying I don't believe you, but I'm not sure I believe you. Oh, we got to get Mark Brown on the show. <laughs> I mean, we're going to have to get Mark Brown better. Let's get out to the hill. and I want to see Mark Brown. Do the that park's year. closed. Oh, <laughs> right. We can, he has all the way. Into, he's like Biden. He has all the way to August to get ready for it. Fifteen times? Come on. Fifteen times? Waiting for a cornflake? Benny J, am a badass. What Fifteen can I say? times? I don't know, man. It's like that's a lot. I'm not saying I don't believe you, but fifth, D, that's a lot on the. So we're gonna have to. Um, whenever they open up the lakefront again, we're gonna have to uh, get Mark Brown out there. We'll do a, a special, a remote. <laughs> How
0: are we going to plug our crap in?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't, something you and Antonio can figure out, okay? You guys are the technical brains. In it. Anyway, great column by uh, Mark Brown pointing out about how Chicagoans are just a weird collection of people. They're not unlike uh, Brady down in Florida. They go, oh, it's a nice day. We- Forgetting, of course, that the reason they can be in the park in the middle of the week is because they're not working, and they're not working because there's a coronavirus scare and the city's on lockdown. I know. I'll go play soccer.
0: By the way, our uh, buddy Bruce Bruce lives in North Center.
1: Oh, okay. All right. Uh, So... That's not exactly Uptown, but it's just west of Uptown. Anyway, uh, very good column by Mark Brown pointing out um, how people in Chicago are a little unrealistic. And I don't blame Lori Lightfoot uh, for closing the parks because it's, although I just point this out. Uh, yesterday, what was what, about 60 degrees and sunny D? Yeah. Today, I don't know, it's a raw day, like 45. It's a little it's gloomy. Gloomy, cloudy, it's going to rain. There's not going to be anyone in the park. Except for me and Mark Brown, maybe, you know, taking that hill. Hamburger Hill, all right? We'll be doing the show from the slammer. <laughs> Actually, it's in Hamburger Hill. So Walter Payton, the great Walter Payton, the Chicago Bears running back. Uh, he had a, a routine D. I don't know if this is way before your time. Uh, he would, like, run up a hill. And I think he had, like, a tire Attached to him or something like that to so make it even harder. <laughs> well, I
0: heard that's uh, Mark Brown actually does that too, but he kept that out. He didn't want to be, you know, he wanted to be a little modest.
1: 15 times with a chain wrapped around his waist. I got a chain wrapped around my waist. Attached to a tire. Da, 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 da. I'm a
0: badass, Ben. What can I say?
1: Mark Brown, <laughs> great like column. Like I know that's a terrible imitation. Great column. Uh, I'll give you the highest praise. I can give another columnist. It's so great. I wish I wrote it. But 15? I, oh my God. I don't know about that. Mark Brown,
0: look forward to seeing seeing you in the uh, bathrooms at the sun time sometime No, soon. we'll see him on the hill. We're hey, not we're doing the hill. that hill thing. Oh, okay. We have some people on the live stream uh, who are waiting And by the way. Rose says, uh,
1: we jog around uh, that hill almost every day. Now, no more. Yeah, no, I'm with you 100%. It's a beautiful... Anybody... I, I don't like to talk about it because... It's one of my favorite things. Back in the 90s and the O's, when I was so critical of Daily, uh, some occasionally people at the reader would say, why don't you say something nice about the city? Because uh, you're always so critical of the city. And I would like, I don't want to do that because I have the feeling Daly would shut down whatever I liked. So I never wrote a story about how I love uh, this Cricket Hill or Hamburger Hill, whatever you want to call it it's the real name i guess is cricket hill but i get like to call it hamburger hill so uh i would never mention it deep because i have a fear that all, one day i'd go out there and there'd be like a big fence around it oh this is off limits and a, well apparently it's off limits at the moment anyway so.
0: hold on i'm on the phone yeah yeah guys we need we may bring you back we'll, be, we'll let you know yeah yeah we'll let you know
1: Newsroom, all right. Oh, the newsroom. Making Just got thing. off the phone with the newsroom. Are oh, you negotiating a deal with their agent? Yeah, I think
0: they may come back next week. I don't know. I got to talk with them still. But uh, anyway, uh, as far as J.B. Pritzker, our Illinois governor, first off, dude, you're killing it. You're doing great. Uh, he's at the Thompson Center. Oh, surprise, surprise. <laughs> He's at the Thompson Center today for his 2.30 uh, p.m. press briefing. Uh, we'll try and uh, play some of that if we can. Uh, if not, we'll talk about it tomorrow. All right. You got uh, something you want to say about Pritzker, Well, right? J.P.
1: Pritzker was a story in the Sun-Times. I urge everyone to read it. Actually, it was yesterday I meant to get to it, and I didn't. Uh, Kiana uh, Cepeda Miller, she is uh, one of our favorite writers for the Better Government Association. Now, she does this thing where she fact-checks stories. So uh, a politician, elected official, person of prominence, will make an assertion like... Oh, let's say uh, I run up and down Cricket Hill 15 times. OK, that would be an assertion. And then well, she you are would... <laughs> not getting over that. <laughs> so then she would do a fact check to see uh, if there's any truth to it. And then she has a various ra- ratings. Uh, and so uh, she took the deep dive on the issue of whether J.B. Pritzker uh, had the authority uh, to cancel the elections this is a matter of some concern Dennis and I talked about this a lot last week at the very least the city and the state were guilty of sending out a mixed message uh, and the mixed message was this on one hand they were saying work at home uh we're closing down bars we're closing down restaurants we want social distancing when you see someone walking down the sidewalk and they're a foot away walk out of the way so that you're you know not right next to them we have to do everything we can uh to stop the spread of this uh dangerous virus and then at the other on the other hand they were saying hey we're having an election come on out and vote you know so kind of completely stay
0: indoors hey you better vote. If not, we're going to judge you.
1: Get out there and vote. Right. So it's like, you know, it is a mixed message. And uh, there were some people who were urging uh, J.B. Pritzker uh, to cancel uh, the election. And J.B. Pritzker said uh, he was not going to do that. And here's the exact quote, uh, because that is uh, unquestionably not within my legal authority. So Kiana Cepeda Miller does a fascinating deep dive in my humble opinion, uh, where she takes a look at whether it is in his uh, authority to close, uh, to shut down or suspend an election. And then she talks about the law and uh, th- that governs this, and she compares Illinois to Ohio. It's a very learned, uh, well-written article. I r- urge everybody uh, to read it. Uh, and then uh, she basically comes down to the conclusion uh, that Pritzker was correct. Uh, it's that- correct. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that uh, he doesn't have the authority uh, to uh, close down an election. and that in, in fact, the best he could do is uh, order an election, close, and then hope that his position prevails uh, in the courts because someone would sue, obviously. That's just what happened in Ohio, where the governor uh, postponed the election. Uh, because of the coronavirus. Uh, And he quotes a spokesperson for Pritzker saying, what was he saying? Uh, When we asked Pritzker's office why the governor's administration had not tried to close polls like Ohio did, spokesperson said, uh, quote, breaking the law and then hoping the Supreme Court agrees with you isn't how the administration prefers governing. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) I hit the microphone." Man, you okay? Yeah, yeah, I'm good, I'm good. Okay, the guy (laughs) guy plays in pain. Uh, Anyway, I appreciate that quote uh, one more time. Uh, Breaking the law and then hoping the Supreme Court agrees with you isn't how this administration prefers governing. I'm with him on that one. I don't think it's a good idea just to break the law and then hope the... the, That's how Trump does things every day, so... It's funny how this is all going
0: down, like with uh, being on quarantine or whatever. Like, a week feels like a month. And this whole, like, uh, primary voting thing feels so last month. Yeah,
1: I know. Yeah, I know it does. Like,
0: we're on to other things now. Okay, yeah, that maybe we should have maybe we shouldn't have uh i'm kind of on the who cares boat now with this primary thing
1: yeah uh it, it was ancient history and uh, i'm glad we got through it i of course my attitude was uh, that there were uh, health considerations to keeping the election going and that health considerations were my mental well-being if i heard one more bill conway Justice smollett gate commercial i think i would lose my mind by the way speaking of Justice smollett he made an appearance. You see this thing? Oh yeah, he.
0: he i I'm try, I meant to play that yesterday. Maybe we can play some of uh, the song he sang. Yeah, and
1: I'll tell you the song he sang, and it's, that's like, why one I of was your favorites. There's a place in the sun. Hey, I gotta say this about <laughs> Justice Smollett. He sings way better than I do, okay? all right. Oh, he, we all knew that. He, you know, I mean, he, he's actually a pretty good singer. I think the Stevie Wonder version of the song is still my favorite, but I got to give uh, Jesse Smollett credit. He's a pretty good singer. I uh, should just stick to singing, Jesse, and uh, stay away from Chicago. So uh, anyway, uh, she ultimately decides that uh, he was mostly true, that uh, Pritzker's assertion was mostly true. Are
0: talking about a pain a Yeah,
1: she, the ranking she gave him, she's tough mostly true she was saying it's mostly true because it's not unquestionably because you know he could cancel the election and then hope a judge rules in his favor you know so it's not unquestionable god dang she's tough you know come on mostly true shout shout out to brianna on the live
0: stream chat she says well there weren't enough people in the polls to create an issue during the primary
1: that was my joke that i used uh uh, in this, uh, I wrote about this actually in the reader this week, and that was a joke. You know, great minds think alike. You know, D, with these funny jokes. Anyway, oh man,
0: I wonder if she sings poorly.
1: <laughs> uh, let's hear her version of uh, "There's a play in the Anyway." Good, uh, good you guys got about
0: six songs so far, just in the first thirty minutes of the show. Uh,
1: yeah, uh, sitting on a cornflake. Uh, Keanu cepeda Miller, Better Government Association, great column about J.P. Prince.
0: All right. And uh, also here are Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Uh, today, she's in City Hall with mayors of surrounding communities to announce further actions to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Lori, Lori
1: By the way, did you see the Suntime story about the Lori Lightfoot? Please do tell. Parking tickets. Oh, this is unbelievable. Parking tickets angered drivers after mayors pledged to go easy. France Beelman, gave her credit. This is a great story.
0: By the way, parks are shut down, but the brown line still running. <laughs> they,
1: here we go a mixed message okay parks are shut down didn't even think about that until right now. i know it's mixed message okay brown lines still going trains are still running you know people got to get places so i understand that Yeah, you're right right. uh yeah they got to get places maybe they could cut the number of them so they're not running as frequently i don't know what am i to i I don't run you know what it's easy for me to sit here in my attic d and make all these you know pronouncements okay i'm not the one accountable for anything tell us about these parking tickets oh these parking tickets are unbelievable all right so mayor lori lightfoot said chicago would stop ticketing booting and towing illegally parked vehicles except for public safety reasons through april 30th to give some measure of relief to people whose jobs and paychecks have been affected by the coronavirus well guess what d they're still ticketing (laughs) unbelievable you know talk about another mixed message think about this She's mad because, she, you know, the governor and the mayor both said, stay at home, just take occasional walks, don't congregate in large groups, don't play soccer. It's not a good idea to play soccer. Okay, don't be like Brady, the bro down in, uh, in Florida. So then she gets mad and closes the parks. Meanwhile... What about the part about giving relief to the people of the city of Chicago, you know? And, and nobody's driving anymore. I mean, you know how it is, D, that streets are virtually empty. Uh, but yeah, they're still ticketing. And uh, let's see, uh, in the article, she, um, uh, France has a lot of fun with this. Uh, Lori Lightfoot says, it's not free parking all over the city. I want to be clear about that. But what we said is place the emphasis on cars or motorists who cause a public safety hazard, unquote. Lightfoot said there is an obvious need to continue to be in conversation with Chicago Parking Meters, LLC, about, quote, where the emphasis should be placed to comply with her March 18th edict. Ah, yes, Chicago Parking Meters, LLC. Uh, That's the investment group, I'm reading Fran's article, that famously paid the city $1.15 billion over 75 years to lease the city's 36,000 parking meters. Okay. <laughs> That's the company that bought an asset worth $10 billion for $1 billion because the city of Chicago was at the time led by Ray- Mayor Richard M. Daly, who could do whatever he wanted, D. Oh, knowing that the only guy that would complain was some weirdo at the Chicago Reader, at which point all of his fans would go, If you don't like it here, go to Detroit. Anyway, it all comes around. So it's so funny. Uh, <laughs> the mayor says, Don't worry. I know times are hard, uh, you're out of work, you don't have money, I'm going to relax uh, the ticket writing, and guess what? They're still writing tickets. By the way, uh, the spokesperson for Chicago Parking Meters, LLC, could not be reached for comment, according to France but I guess he's busy uh, counting up all his money. So yeah, come on, Lori. If you're going to get mad at the people of Chicago for not paying attention to your edict, uh, about staying out of the parks why don't you also get mad at the ticket writers for the city of chicago who are not paying attention to your edict to stuff i'll tell you what they're always going to try to squeeze you d <laughs> squeeze the people
0: this little light of mine <laughs> i'm gonna let it shine
1: yes indeed
0: all right everybody well we're going to take a little break here And when we come back our good friend miles camp lassen is going to be talking progressive politics with us uh, i wonder what bernie's
1: up to these days Bernie is running for president, OK? He's not like one of my Joe Biden <laughs> readers out there who says, shut up, go away. He, he actually took a, a, a strong stand. We'll talk about it uh, with uh, Miles uh, in yesterday's debate over the relief bill. Don't go anywhere, everybody. The Ben Show. We'll be right back. Play the radio, make sure the television, excuse me, make sure you have the record player on at night, The, the, the phone, make sure the kids hear words.
0: Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food arts and entertainment weekly concert listings weekly event listings the environment travel i can continue but you get the point point. and for all of you chicago political junkies raw weekly columns on real city politics from maya dukmasova and our very own ben Jarovsky, the chicago reader free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com read it now and be a more informed chicagoan commercial break over welcome back to the ben jarofsky show
1: live from ben's house Miles Conflassen comes to our house, at least through the phone, every Thursday. Miles Conflassen, Ace Writer Editor for In These
2: Times. You staying safe, Miles? I am. I'm hunkered down here, not interacting with many humans these days, but uh, you know, uh virtually staying in touch. So going okay. You're not one of those Chicagoans who
1: immediately ran to the park
2: yesterday to play soccer. <laughs> I mean, I I gotta say, I mean, you know, I've watched some of that press conference earlier. She's not wrong. I mean, I, I go on runs still sometimes, and I do see a lot of people out at the parks. I saw yesterday people playing football. And I mean, you know, that's that's really not social distancing if you're engaged in sports. So, I mean, if this is what it has to be, I think that there's gotta be, you know, we've got to tamp down on people getting together, at least, you know, they're not uh, allowing the St. Patrick's Day crews to come through anymore. You know that was a uh, uh, despicable.
1: Yeah. No. I we, we'll get to the more the, the serious issues coming out of Washington, but Miles has just got to shake my head, man. I'm laughing. We I've been making fun of uh, Brady the bro. That's the twenty year old who went down to Florida and was quoted. Uh, He was all over the internet, you know, his little quotes where he was saying, um, you know, I'm not worried about Corona, man. I just want to party. And uh, I'm making fun of him and my fellow Chicagoans. It's like, guys, do you figure out that you're not working today for a reason? It's, you know, you're off in the middle of the day.
2: It's like, did you? I got to, though. I mean, I got to say, I've got to give people a little bit of a break because I, I, I know I harp on this. But, I mean, last Tuesday we held an election here and (laughs) you know, the mayor, the governor, the political, you know, all the professionals were saying, go vote, you know? So it's not, it, I think that was a failure on their part to take this seriously and so it's not shocking to me that people are haven't gotten the message yet but I mean they clearly need to get the message. No, I, I, we, we talk about we
1: just got finished talking about that and uh, yeah mixed messaging on the part of the leaders of the city of Chicago, the state of Illinois and the country, especially the country uh, Donald John mm-hmm. Trump, we'll get to him and the bizarre messages that he's beaming out on a regular basis uh, but let's talk about uh, the relief bill, I don't call it a stimulus bill $2 trillion, it's burnt Bernie Sanders socialism, uh, even after we just learned from the centrists Democratic electorate that he Bernie's too left uh, to win, and now all of a sudden I'm watching Republicans uh, embracing a Bernie Sanders type socialism uh, for at least socialism for corporations, etc. Miles, the irony is a, a little frightening
2: sometimes. Tell me about it. I mean, th- this is really. <laughs> I mean what has been laid bare through this whole process is that there was um, a consensus that some are still holding to obviously that the market is the solution that when we have crises when we have issues that we need to look towards the wisdom of the marketplace that will you know drive competition that will solve uh any of our problems. And that has been the, you know, mainstream consensus view of both political mainstream political parties in the United States for decades now, at least since the 1970s. Um, What that doesn't account for is government and people's lives, which has always been to protect people, to um, provide a decent standard of safety and livelihoods and dignity. Um, But the American government has pretty much backed off of that in so many ways. And right now, what we're seeing in the United States just today is almost 3.3 million unemployment claims Mm. last week. Um, You see it, you look at graphs and, you know, they they show them going up and down and they never really uh, crest past 500,000. Now we're at over 3 million. And by the summer, it's predicted to reach over 14 million. Mm. You can't have an economy without labor, you know, without a workforce uh, that's active. And the, you, this can't be solved through the market. The only way you can keep people, uh, you know, alive, uh, to be frank, is through some type of social protection, some type of social programs. And that, as you said, has been Bernie Sanders', uh, you know, uh, whole the cause celeb of his entire campaign has been, we need to provide people a better standard of living. And especially we need to focus on the most vulnerable. Those most vulnerable, the people at the lowest rung of the economic ladder are also the people that are most vulnerable to this disease because they lack the basic access to healthcare and they're the ones most dependent on a paycheck to Survive, you know, they it's much harder for them to get by staying at home uh, than it is for some of our more well off uh, fellow citizens. So uh, it's true that people have had to have this kind of transformation. And as a result, you saw this $2 trillion bill pass the Senate yesterday. we know from the Trump tax bill a couple of years ago that Republicans are perfectly willing to blow up the deficit you know, in the federal uh, and pull everything out of the federal coffers when uh, you know, it serves their interests. And we saw that again here, because there's really two parts of this bill. One is uh, expanding unemployment insurance, expanding some protections for working people. But the other part of it of course, the Republicans demanded there be this element of it. That's essentially a corporate slush fund. You know, people are saying it's 500 uh, billion dollars, but really that debt can be leveraged ten times over by the Fed. So we could see ten times as big as that. We could see a four trillion dollar, you know, slush fund essentially that Steve Mnuchin, the Treasury Secretary, is in charge of overseeing. Um, and you know, that doesn't it doesn't restrict companies, large companies from laying off their workforces. It doesn't require them to keep workers on payrolls. Um, it doesn't keep them from uh, giving away big executive bonuses. So again, much like we saw in 2008, there's an element of this, which is more corporate welfare or socialism for corporations, as you were saying. Luckily, you know, there's also some really uh, pro-worker elements of this bill to thank for certain people in the Democratic Uh, caucus who really pushed for that now the bill is in the house um we can go into the politics of it i think you know now that it's in the the house voted down the first you know bailout bill back in 2008 they have a chance to do that. I mean, considering it passed unanimously in the Senate, that could be hard, but they could also just strip out all of the corporate welfare elements of it and just send back all the worker protections, you know, to uh, to be signed by the president. So we'll see what happens, but that's kind of my general take on it.
1: All right, let's stay, get a little more specific if you can. Let's break those two uh, general categories down uh, and analyze them as best we can, because obviously we all the details haven't been publicized yet. Uh, Or many of us haven't had the opportunity to read the fine print. I don't know if I'll ever get around to reading the fine print. And again, as you pointed out, (laughs) the whole thing could be uh, rewritten in the House. I doubt that it will, since Nancy Pelosi has also said, she's also said, already said that she's going to sign on. But let's talk about, first of all, the corporate slush fund of up to $500 billion. Give us a little detail on that one, uh, Miles.
2: Well, I mean, essentially, it's earmarked for giving. uh, propping up businesses. And again, this seems to fly in the face of this free market fundamentalism that has been preached by especially the Republican Party, but to be honest, uh, leadership of both parties for many years saying, you know, let survival of the fittest, right? You know, if you survive in the market, you survive. If you don't, you don't. But instead, we're deciding to, uh, you know, lift up these companies and say, you know, you're now... We're gonna, you know, provide you the funding you need to uh, manage this crisis, and that's this, this. is in the billions and billions of dollars. Meanwhile, the way that we're helping, you know, working people deal with this crisis, crisis is a $1,200 check. That, to me, it's just the, the the gap is just mind-boggling of how much, you know, we're willing to fund. Supposedly free enterprise and then, you know, in terms of corporations, uh, when we're, you know, what the Republicans were doing yesterday when we could talk about this is, you know, Lindsey Graham and other Republicans were trying to block unemployment insurance part of the bill because they said it was giving too much money to poor people because it includes this extra $600 um, payment for four months for just four months. Meanwhile, there's billions in this uh, corporate slush fund. That are uh, going to the um, these corporations that have really no oversight because the oversight is going to be managed through the Trump administration. And what we know is even under the Obama administration, after TARP uh, and the bailouts in 2008, the companies, you know, nobody faced any accountability for, um, you know, what what happened there. And as a result of it, we just have more and more. Uh, Concentration and centralization of uh, these corporations that are controlling how our economy is run, Mm -hmm. and it's often the same people that are in charge of these companies. So very little has changed in the past 12 years, both in terms of um, the actual fundamentals of our economy, which I think we're shown to be very weak um, by that uh, that financial crash, and then also the way that our government runs, which is just handing out blank checks, basically, to these same people that are now, you know, laying off masses of working people, uh, that's just continuing to, uh, to to run over us again. So, to me, I think there's real fundamental problems with that approach, and we're going to see that, because it's not how other countries have done it. I mean, if you look at um, the way there, there have been strings attached to bailouts of companies, um, but they've required that money to go towards paying the payroll of workers, you know, so you keep your workers furloughed rather than laying them off. Um, In the UK, they're providing 80% of people's wages. Um, In Denmark, you're seeing this as well uh, in terms of, you know, the government just stepping in and saying, look, we're going to provide the money so that people can survive. And we're going to, you know, make sure that that the businesses are paying that money so that they bring those workers back once this crisis is over. We didn't do that in the U.S. We just said, you know, here's a bunch of money for corporations, and we're going to give some extra unemployment for a few months, and then we'll figure it out. And as a result of that, you're seeing these massive spikes in unemployment, whereas you're not seeing them in these other countries that did it a different way. But again, the Republicans are too, like, ideologically opposed to this idea of state intervention. Uh, to bring themselves to go through with something like that, that would actually be better to help solve the process. And the reason, just the last thing, the reason we know that's true is because there's some of that in this bill and it's particularly uh, uh, on the airline industry because the airline industry, you know, obviously has a very uh, powerful voice on the Hill and they have a very strong union led by Sarah Nelson, the flight attendants union. They put forward a proposal basically saying that, you know, the, the airline industry will get, this kind of bailout, but as a result of it, they will have to keep these workers employed and then furlough and pay them for their salaries. And that's included in the bill, so they're willing to do it for the airline industry. And if they're willing to do it for them, they could do it across the board, but they're just so, you know, opposed to this idea of government stepping in in that way. Um, they'd much rather just hand out checks to, to, to corporations.
1: All right, now, uh, two of the things that um, people were concerned about, people of the leftist persuasion were concerned about, uh, when it comes to bailing out corporations uh, or giving them breaks, has to do with uh, buying back stock and uh, giving bonuses to CEOs. I've not seen the language that specifically addresses those two uh, issues. Are, are you aware of, of language in the bill, Miles, that would protect against a buying back stock, which is what happened? You remember with the uh, tax break back 2017. Uh, uh, Donald Trump and the Republicans gave a massive tax break and it was supposed to be used uh, to invest. Re- the companies uh, and well, uh, corporations are going to use it to reinvest uh, in their businesses, create more jobs, and more wealth. Uh, and in fact, they did it. They bought back stock. So really, they just <laughs> gave the money to the shareholders and didn't share it. Uh, so and then of course exactly. there's the issue of bonuses to CEOs, which is left over from the 2008 2009 uh, stimulus bills. There's a lot of outrage over that. Even some Republicans were uh, expressed outrage over that. Uh, that. Um, Despite the fact that uh, companies did a lousy job of uh, overseeing their uh, resources, and we had this horrific downturn in the economy, particularly in the mortgage industry, uh, they were giving bonuses uh, to the CEOs. So, is there any language that you've seen that protects against these things, or are we vulnerable on both
2: fronts? Well, from what I understand, and I have not read the entire bill, but um, I've certainly read up on uh, all types of the portions that address these various issues you brought up. And from what I understand, um, and I could be wrong, but, uh, but reading it, the bill seemingly permits companies to, who receive some of this bailout money to lay off up to 10% of their workforce over the next six months. So there's some restriction on the amount of the employees that they can lay it off. But after that six month period, there's no more restrictions, you know? And so they already have the money. We could just see a wave come in, um, in, in happy year. There's also um you know, Mnuchin is basically in control of this. The Trump's Treasury Secretary is a long term, you know, Wall Street guy. He could waive any upside for the public and um the restrictions on stock buybacks, particularly, there are some restrictions on that, which is better than none, of course, but they're, they're temporary as well. They, you know, after a series of months that these companies would be able to once again, put this money into buying back stocks, basically reinvesting in their companies, trying to, you know, leverage that rather than paying out workers. They also would pay uh, dividends to the shareholders and these shareholders of large corporations are otherwise, you know, we, we, these are people we just, you know, know as rich people, these are the people that can afford to invest in um, and be shareholders in major corporations. They're going to see uh, receive multi billion dollar bailout funds. So I think there's still a lot of um, vulnerability. Uh, you, you saw this in the Democratic Caucus. They were, you know, saying that this is. Uh, th- th- this is a travesty, basically, the way that this has been engineered, and it's because this was this is essentially the McConnell bill when it comes to the corporate bailout side of it, um, where the Demo- what the Democrats worked on was helping working people. I would argue that that should be the only thing that this bill does. I mean, obviously, there needs to be help uh, for small businesses, and there is some of that in here. Uh, but not nearly as much as in this corporate slush fund, nor is there nearly as much money as we need to actually deal with the crisis of the coronavirus, which is decimating, you know, our communities across the country, particularly in New York. You know, Andrew Cuomo, the governor of New York, is personally lobbying against the bill, or at least to change it, because he said, you know, his state's going to get like $5 billion out of this in a $2 trillion, over $2 trillion bill. And we need, like, frontline services. If this is, you know, wartime presidency, as this Trump president likes to say, that we need to be investing this money on the front lines, which are um, into hospitals and health centers and uh, every place we, you know, need to send support right now. So, um, yeah, in terms of the um, restrictions on the bailout, uh, there's a little bit more than nothing, but it still leaves a lot to be desired in terms of, Uh, oversight. Well,
1: when I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about the arguments that occur here in Chicago that I've been following for all these years about whenever we in the city of Chicago, when our leaders uh, make investments uh, into corporations, we generally do it through the TIF program. That's the single uh, greatest source of of discretionary income they have. And the argument uh, as laid out when you want to sell a proposal uh, to the people of Chicago, uh, Miles, is that this is an investment. This is economic development. This is spending money now so we have more money later. Okay, uh, and on the other hand, when you have a pension program that uh, is the lifeline for retired people uh, in who live in neighborhoods throughout Chicago, so they're spending it locally. Well, that's a waste. That that's a handout. Uh, that's something we can't afford. So one thing we can't afford. The other thing. Uh, We cannot afford. And when it's money for something like Amazon, we can afford it. When it's money for something like uh, Lincoln Yards, we can afford it. But when it's money for a retired cop or a firefighter or a teacher, we can't afford it. This is how things are presented to the people of the city of Chicago, which is why year after year, the pensioners, not so much anymore, because they've had some uh, judicial rules in their favor, had to fight off cuts in the pension fund cuts coming from democrats who bought into this argument i see this the same thing in this debate the same kind of worldview. think about it when you set aside money for the corporations you're protecting business right but when you're giving protection for individual workers well, you could be wasting money. You could be encouraging laziness and cheating. That's Lindsey Lindsey Graham's great concern. They, do you get what I'm saying? They, they they give out when it's money going to a, the wealthy. It's an investment for us all. When it's money going to ordinary human beings, it's a waste. See the the messaging there.
2: Yeah, it's basically the yeah. I mean, that's the that was the. Belief that was put forth by all of these uh, true believers in the trickle-down economics. You know, is what Ronald Reagan always talked about. It's what you know George H. W. Bush talked about. You know, basically every president of our lifetime, my lifetime anyway, has uh, has been advocating is uh, saying if we just you know give this money towards the you know our the great leaders of corporate America. That it will ultimately benefit everybody. We don't have time to wait for that. For one thing, that has been proven to be false. And we see that because of, you know, wages completely stagnating where corporate profits are are, are ballooning. And that has been the case, you know, over this long trajectory, but especially um, in recent years, but also people are, are out of work. Every business is closed. There's no money coming in right now. We don't have universal health care, so people have to pay health care costs, they have to pay rent, they have to pay, or or a mortgage, they have to pay, you know, yeah, utility bills, child care, all of the things that, you know, that cause economic hardship for people is, uh, still remain.
1: What's your position on on the issue of substituting uh, a candidate for Joe Biden at the convention?
2: I uh, think there's a lot of Democratic issues with that in terms of, you know, not big D, but rather uh, in terms of how that would uh, go over with the Democratic electorate after we've gone through an entire primary season um, to then select somebody who didn't even run. You know, I mean, th- this has happened before, of course, uh, in um, party politics where, you know, the party leaders decide to swap in somebody else. Um To me, I I can't imagine that going over well with the Democratic electorate, um, if it was somebody who didn't already, you know, run for president and win millions of votes. Uh, There is somebody who did that right now, Bernie Sanders, who's still running for president, who is, I think, showing real effective leadership right now and has shown through how he, you know, operated around this bill. Um, So many people are saying, you know, he's too radical, can't work with people, he's alienated the... You know, Democrats, he's not even a real Democrat. Well, look, this is somebody who just, you know, was involved in negotiations around this bill, pushed forward very clear policy uh, uh, advice he got through, you know, progressive economic think tanks of how to expand unemployment insurance to help people, got that into the bill, fought for it, fought off Republican attacks, defended the bill, even though obviously he doesn't believe in every part of the bill, and got in line with the Democratic caucus to push it through. I think that that is a good example of how uh, somebody who negotiates and operates in a real politic world um, handles a crisis like this and shows leadership at the same time. So to me, that's kind of where I stand on it. I think if we're going to swap out You know, a nominee, we should do it with somebody who is also running for president and has, you know, shown that they can win millions of votes. What I'd be interested to hear from you though is what is, what do you think about like, I've heard comparisons of this to uh, the Stroger situation here, you know, where obviously, you know, Todd Stroger got uh, the nomination, even facing some health issues and then got swapped out kind of by, um the party afterwards do you see any correlation between what could happen uh with biden and the stroger situation
1: yes and it's funny you should mention that uh we were talking about that was it uh alderman carlos ramirez rosa and i had a a john stroger conversation this is one of my favorite little chapters of chicago politics let me just help people out a little bit uh this occurred in 2006 I want to say mm-hmm. John Stroger was the president of the Cook County Board, a longtime Democratic chieftain, a ward committeeman from the south side of Chicago, the eighth ward, a strong ally of Mayor Richard M. Daley. Uh, and uh, he was running for re-election in a primary against Forrest Claypool. This is so bizarre. I just indulge me for a moment, Miles. Uh, Forrest Claypool also was an ally of Mayor Richard M. Daley. He. Uh, <laughs> So Democrats, uh, North Lakefront liberal Democrats labored under the illusion that somehow or other Forrest Claypool was more of a reformer than John Stroger because he was a white man on the North side, okay? And uh, so patronage is bad when it's black people being the benefits of patronage, but patronage is acceptable uh, somehow or other when we pretend it doesn't exist, All right, so this is the contradictory illusions that Northside liberals were under. So I was never a supporter of Forrest Claypool on that effort. I was always a supporter of John Stroger. I always kind of liked the role he played. And uh, as a result, I was assailed and assaulted by many of my North Shore neighbors. I mean, Northside neighbors. How could you be for Stroger? Claypool is the reformer. Anyway, in the middle of this, John Stroger has a stroke. He goes into a coma. And the leaders of the Democratic Party, oh my, my beloved Democratic Party, pretended as though he was still alive and vibrant. It's like that movie, Saving Silverman. You ever see that movie, Saving Silverman? Isn't that what it's called, D?
0: Damn right, I love that movie.
2: Do you ever see that movie, Miles? You never saw. I never did. I thought you were going. I thought you were going to go for a weekend at Bernie's reference,
0: but which what happens at Weekend at Bernie's? The feller dies, and they hold him up. Yeah, that's the same
2: thing. Uh, Weekend
1: at Bernie's, that's the one. Yeah, the guys. So they're like propping him up wherever they go. Not a great movie, by the way. Uh, Anyway, so that's what they did with Stroger, and it uh, it got him through the the primary he defeated claypool i don't know how you voted on one mile i probably voted for john stroger and everybody gave me a hard time go ben you voted for the guy in the coma and i'll go well i voted for the guy in the coma more than the daily guy because to me claypool was just a daily guy uh anyway so when it was all over yes uh they obviously even the democrats of chicago did not have faith in the voters electing a man in a coma all right. Uh, so, you know, even the Democrats in Chicago said, "Yeah, I think the voters may uh, actually vote for a Republican over Stroger if he's in a coma. So they substituted Todd Stroger uh, to run for his daddy. And uh, somehow or other, Todd Stroger Stroger beat uh, Tony Pareka. Uh, so, yes, there's some similarities uh, in substituting uh, one candidate for another after a primary I would argue that Joe Biden is in far more control of his senses than John is. Joe Biden is not in a coma. You know, Joe Biden just has, does not show to me, Miles, and you can feel free to disagree with me, that he even wants to run. I mean, you've watched a lot of politicians out there. When a politician really wants to run, when a politician really wants to get elected, it's it's sort of like a, a great basketball player going after a rebound. It, it's mm-hmm. relentless about it. Bill Clinton, say what you will about Clinton, was a relentless campaigner who was in it to win. And uh, Barack Obama was in it to win. And Donald John Trump. I mean, he was relentless about it. I don't know if he wanted to win or promote his business, but he was relentless about it. Joe Biden, you just don't disappear. It just if you just disappear from the the fray for six or seven days at a moment when great crisis, that just says to me you don't want to win. And John Kerry did it. That's he kid did it in two thousand and four. He just he went. On, remember, he went on a vacation in the middle of right after the primary. He was what was it like? the, the he, was he went surfing. Surfing, or yeah, like yeah. windsurfing. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, why yeah. is it my Democrats always do stupid stuff like that? So, to me, it's the difference between substituting the way we did it with Stroger back in 2006 or whatever that was. Is that obviously the man did not have the capacity. You know, he was in a coma. In the in the case of Joe Biden, I don't think he has. The interest, I don't even know why Joe Biden's running. Yeah. And um, yeah. so that's that's how I see it, how do you see it?
2: I think that there's going to be a point where it, this primary process is now gonna be elongated because the, it, Bernie Sanders has said he's at least staying in through the New York primary, but if you if you see these primaries start to get pushed more and more, mm-hmm. potentially to June, Um, the conventions in July and we don't even know how that convention can be run now considering this whole coronavirus situation but you know that's a lot of time between now and then and voters are going to get to see they haven't really seen Joe Biden that's the thing obviously he was vice president for eight years but During, you know, all these debates, he was one of 10 people on stage. He talked for a few minutes. He he has never done big rallies. You know, he's done a few of them, but not to the level of, say, Bernie Sanders or either some of these other people running. Um, So, you know, voters are going to get another chance, the Democratic voters, to see how people are responding. And I think that this is the real test. You know, when you see Donald Trump's numbers rebounding in the face of a crisis and you see, meanwhile, him and his Republican allies push this you know uh monstrous idea of just reopening the economy in a couple weeks and sending people back to work in the midst of a global pandemic that's just you know that to me that's not just lethal that just shows you care more about the stock market than you do about human life Mm -hmm. and to me that's a test that you have to pass if you want to be seen as a you know viable uh, presidential candidate, but that means you, people, you have to call people out like that, you know? And Joe Biden hasn't been doing that. He says he doesn't want to get into the politics of it, but Trump is trying to send people to their death. And so we need to have, you know, a strong opposition to that. I think the Democrats, every effort Trump does these, you know, press conferences, every one, they should be doing a counter you know, press conference laying out what's wrong with it, and you know all of Trump's lies, and what you know we should be doing. And I don't know if it's going to be Schumer, Pelosi. I mean, Bernie's doing it every night on his live streams, but they're not, you know, putting him in uh, in front of like the actual cameras. Uh, he's getting millions of viewers, but I think that that's the type of leadership or at least opposition that needs to be on display right now. And Ideally, that would be you know the person who is most likely going to be the nominee for the party. But as we've seen, you know it's very difficult for Joe Biden to be uh, taking on that role. I did want to say one other thing really quick on the uh, you know not to bring us too far back, but on the Claypool question. When we talk about free market fundamentalists, which I was you know bringing up earlier, talking about <laughs> yeah. the Republicans. I wrote a whole article for Jacobin magazine uh, called Chicago's Fountainhead that I encourage people to read all about. Uh, the life and career of Forrest Claypool, and he is a devotee, much like uh, Paul Ryan, the former Republican Speaker of the House. He's a devotee of uh, Ayn Rand, the, uh, you know, person who wrote Fountainhead and and Atlas Shrugged, who is just a true free market believer uh, in the face, You know, she would be right now telling people to go back to work to get the economy running as well. So that just sums up some of what Forrest Claypool is all about.
1: All right, Miles, we got to take a break and move on to our uh, next interview. Thanks so much uh, for talking to us, and we'll see you next Thursday. All right. Thank you, Ben. All right, very good. Miles Conflassen, we'll be right back after this.
0: Get up to speed. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago, culture, food